Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll teach you how to find your resilience. I'll also be interviewing Alan Rivka, who is the embodiment of a multifaceted mogul. Before social media impacted society's social climate, Alan created the first ever 24-hour celebrity-obsessed news station in America. Alan is a co-founder and creator of e-entertainment television. In today's episode, Alan and I talk about his determination and his resilience to start e-entertainment television when he was rejected over 400 times. For more information about Alan, please visit theallencompany.com. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Finding your resilience. We all have hopes and dreams. Unfortunately, sometimes those dreams die stillborn because we allow other people to influence us, or our emotions become too overwhelming that we don't have the confidence to accomplish our goals. There are many well-meaning people in our life, and unfortunately, some not so well-meaning people in our life. As an entrepreneur or someone who wants to try something different, it's important to be mindful of this. I remember when I first started Lifeology, and I was at happy hour, and a friend of a friend asked me what I was up to, and I told him I was interested in trying something new and told him a little bit about Lifeology. He laughed at me and said, why would you do that? No one will listen to you. You have nothing to say. And in that moment, I realized I had an opportunity. I could either allow this person to distract me or influence me, or I could take that information and use it as fuel to become who I am today. Conversely, I had well-meaning people in my life who also asked me why I would do something different because I was successful in my previous business. Even though they were well-meaning people, unfortunately, that could also deter me from what I wanted to do. When it comes to resilience as an entrepreneur, you always want to look at your previous life. What I mean by that is this. Anytime you feel something that's really overwhelming, usually it has to do with the uncertainty if you can do it or not. Sometimes our dreams can be so big that the thought of doing something or who we are today feels like we could never do it. The workaround for that is this. In psychology, we teach that whatever you believe to be true, in other words, what you think about determines what you feel. What you feel determines how you respond or what you do. So when you have this dream to do something and the feelings of uncertainty, of worry, of fear, of doubt overcome you, what you do is you focus on when you felt that before. We've all experienced those emotions in the past. So if you've experienced them in the past, what did you do that worked to help you get over it? What did you do that didn't help? You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Anytime you feel an emotion like that, reflect on what happened in your past. What were the steps that you took to help you so that you didn't feel that way anymore? When you start to implement those techniques, you'll realize that you can overcome the current feeling you're experiencing. And so when you overcome the current emotion, then it allows you to problem solve how you're gonna accomplish this goal. And the more often you do that, you'll find you'll have the resilience to get through any situation you face. Because remember, you've experienced it before. And if you've experienced it before, you've already have the tools inside of you to know what to do when you become too overwhelmed. And that, my friend, is how you'll find your resilience. You're gonna hear an amazing interview today with Alan Rivka. He and his business partner found their resilience 
when they were rejected over 400 times to start E! Entertainment Television. So stay tuned. Have you ever thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio show or podcast, but I have no idea how to do it? Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock. The do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James to get started today. In this upcoming interview with Alan Rivka, I had a wonderful time talking with him. Unfortunately, we did have some technical difficulties, as you'll hear a fire alarm in the background. But as we know, the show must go on. Hollywood and pop culture is known for the big lights, celebrities, and limelight. But Alan Rivka is the embodiment of a multifaceted mogul. Before social media impacted society's social climate, Alan created the first ever 24-hour celebrity-obsessed news station in America. Alan is a co-founder and creator of E! Entertainment Television. He is now moving into bigger and new ventures in his storage brand business. In today's episode, Alan will share with us his inspirational story and how he became the successful person he is today. Welcome to my show, Alan. Thank you. Thanks so much, uh, James, for having me. I am looking forward to this. I was telling my friends about this before, and I think now E! Entertainment Television has been out for, what, 34 years now, in 1987? Uh, it launched in 1987, yes. That's crazy. Because I remember when it came out on TV, I was like, what is this? And of course, I was instantly drawn to it, because that's the type of person I am. But how did you even come up with this, that concept? You know, uh, I've had... Um film and television in my blood since I was literally five years old. Oh, wow. Uh, I used to, uh, living in Queens, New York, as a five-year-old, I would watch uh, a lot of television. Um, I always say it, when my mother wanted me to take a bath, she'd have to wheel in an old TV into the uh, bathroom. And <laughs> That's hysterical. I'd sit in the tub for a, for a sitcom and then get out. That's funny. Um, so I was addicted to, uh, to movies and television since I was a little kid. In fact, uh, back then they had uh, on the local... Uh, channel channel 11 uh they had um a movie of the week and they would show the same movie every night the whole week and oh, i would really? watch yeah. that movie every night for the whole week so I, I it was in my blood since i was a little kid but um i went to school for architecture i had two loves i had entertainment and architecture when i got out of school i, I was a, a giant mtv fan back mm. in those days oh yeah yeah where they just showed music videos, and then they had VJs, they had their yeah. hosts, and they would show a little behind the scenes and interviews. And um, I used to think about it, and I was thinking, like, how could I get into the entertainment business, and, and, and what could I do? I was trying to option scripts. I was trying to come up with mm -hmm. ideas for movies. I realized that back then, cable television in its infancy, it was more or less like a newspaper. Mm -hmm. where you had um, headlines and headline news. You had sports yeah. in ESPN. You had 
uh, with the Weather in the Weather Channel, Stocks and CNBC, but mm-hmm. you didn't have that entertainment section of the paper. That's so a good point. I yeah, set I out to create that entertainment section. And that coupled with um, a few different things that happened at the same time that gave me the idea for me. Uh, I went to a, a seminar. I was going back and forth to Los Angeles trying to get in the business. And uh, I went to a seminar on how to sell your screenplay to a studio. And they had oh, interesting. They, they had a, a whole bunch of studio presidents up speaking. And instead of talking about how to sell your screenplay to a studio, they talked about the high cost of nationally advertising movies. So I sort of saw, oh. sat around all day and I thought, how can I, what, what can I do to, sure. to help advertise movies on a national basis? In those days, um, they would spend 40, 50, 60, 80 million dollars on a movie. And it was just a, a few ways to advertise that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they either relied on a black and white newspaper ad, which was a terrible way to market your movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Or yeah. they showed trailers in the theater, but that would mean that you would have to be in the theater a mm-hmm. couple of weeks before your movie came out. Uh, or as once in a while, they would have local TV ads, but there wasn't a really good way to do it. So I thought around, I thought about it and I said, you know what, why don't I come up with a 24 hour um, movie promotion network that would be a lot like MTV. Mm-hmm. Instead of music videos, we'll show trailers yeah. We'll use the the movie's electronic press kits, which they spend $150,000 oh, yeah. on oh, a press gosh, kit. Yeah. And they give you an hour of footage and interviews and use that as behind the scenes and cut in my own hosts. And, and really, that was the initial thought uh, of E! And in fact, for the first six years of E! It was called Movie Time because it was just oh, promoting okay. movies. Okay. Uh, then we branched out to television, entertainment, reality shows, mm-hmm. everything celebrity. Uh, and uh, the Talk Soup. Love that, yeah. <laughs> Talk Soup was one of our very first shows. Really? We did on it. Yeah. 1987, yeah. Wow. Was, was, was Greg Kinnear, was he the first host? Greg Kinnear was the first host. Yeah, I remember that. Like Greg that Kinnear was... was the first face on E! when we went on the air oh, really? in <laughs> so yeah. fresh face, yeah. yeah. That's just, I haven't seen him forever. That's so funny. Wow. Now, to go from wanting to sell your screenplay to all of a sudden you went from that to now you're creating a network. I mean, how did you go from this small idea, and that's in quotations for people who can't see me, to all of a sudden this huge concept that was greater than what you, what you thought? How did you take, what was the process to go from small to big? Well, like I said, I, I, was, I was really into MTV, so I was thinking about networks. I knew nothing about starting a network. Sure. I went to architecture school. Uh, oh, really? School totally was go- it's like going to art school for five years. <laughs> so I knew nothing about starting a business. Yeah. I knew nothing about yeah. starting a television network. I had the idea, and I knew somebody that worked at Showtime. Uh-huh. And I called them up. I said, what do you think of this idea? I have an idea for a network. You know, the, the best ideas are always like, you know, wouldn't it be great if someone should have a, you know, and you just yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. Yeah, come exactly. up with these Brain ideas. And everybody has them. Mm-hmm. And I had a bunch even before E. But when I came up with this one, I was like, this is too good. This is like, this has got to be something sure. out there. So I called up a friend of mine. I said, what about helping me do a business plan? Uh, he worked at Showtime Marketing. And he put me in touch with... Um, Larry Namer, who became my partner and close friend even to this day. Mm, okay. And Larry had all the experience in the world in the cable business. Larry had been working for uh, Time Inc. Cable, which was before mm-hmm. Time Warner. Mm-hmm. And Larry was a cable executive. He was off on his own, doing his own thing in L.A., uh, coming up with some similar type of concepts. So we, we got together. 
we we formulated the the, the idea for what we wanted to do, and Larry mm-hmm. really um, knew how to put the business plan together. I, I knew what I wanted to see on yeah. air, but Larry really um, put it down on paper and, and actually uh, d- did a, um, a pro forma of how much money we needed to get it started. Oh, okay, I love yeah. I love Larry to death, but he couldn't <laughs> have been more wrong at the time because uh, we, we figured that, he, or he figured that we needed like a, around $7 million to get the, oh the uh, network going, $6.9 million. And uh, you need like a billion dollars to start a network. Yeah. So we, we were off by uh, almost a billion dollars. <laughs> we did the business plan. We put the budget together. And for the next three, three and a half years, Larry and I set out to just raise, raise the $7 million mm-hmm. to get the thing going. How was it for you? Because there are obviously highs and lows. So you, hear, you see this figure that I'm sure was astronomical for you at that time. And you're like, oh my gosh, what, what are we going to do? How did you keep your momentum going to say, we're going to push through this regardless if that number seems too, too great or not? Well, the one thing I kept telling myself, we, we got rejected a ton bet, of times. I, I mean, I, I once took a look through all my, all my uh, meetings and I really think that we got rejected over 400 times. Oh my gosh. And that's no baloney. Alan, that's 400 times over, over three years, yeah. And um, I just kept saying to myself, you know, Worse ideas raise more money. Mm-hmm. So I can't give up on this idea. And yeah. like I always say, I'm a spoiled brat. So the more people that say no, the more people I say to myself, I'm going to show them. Oh, exactly. And, like uh, <laughs> and all the rejections fueled me I because I knew it was a great idea. Sure. And uh, the more times I just got turned down, you know, sent out of an office, w- walking out dejected, holding my little mm-hmm. briefcase, I was like, I, I got to get this thing going. I- I'm, not- I'm not giving up. Yeah. Do you ever see some of those people now who said no? And as a matter of fact, I do. Yeah. How's uh, that? There's, there's a great story. I, uh, a friend of mine said, you got to meet this Beverly Hills attorney. He raises uh-huh. money. He's got great things going. So I went, up, I went up myself to see him, and he invited in all of his partners and his whole firm. And I was sort of a little insecure. I was, I was, you know, I was probably 26 at the time. I walked in with my briefcase, and I, I made this presentation to the whole law firm. And after I'm done making this whole presentation, he says, you know what, uh, we're actually doing our own fundraising on something we're doing. And I said to myself, well, why did he bring me in here to yeah, hear my pitch if he yeah. just wanted to turn me down? Uh, and, then he, and then he told me that, you know, their, their plan was to launch telecommunication satellites into space. So I, I left the meeting. I said, you know, this guy turned my idea down, but he wants to compete with NASA. And at the yeah. time, that was outrageous. I said, he's never going to get it going. Of course, he never got it going. And I used to see him at the cable conventions after that. And he was all <laughs> over me. Come on, bring me something. Bring me next idea. And I was like, I said no. to myself, I will never bring this guy no, another exactly. idea. Yes. So that's what happens. That's, yeah, it's funny. I have people like that in my life as well. And it's, you know, we're never, yeah, obviously, we're very cordial. We're very classy. But we also know when we're not going to work with them moving forward. <laughs> When you, when you saw the success of E, how was that for you upon reflection? So let's say as of today, 34 years later, how was that for you to see how far it's, it's come from your dream to today? I always said when we were starting it that I wanted E to be sort of a matter of fact, you know, heard it on E and it, it became that. Yeah. It really has become huge. I've never really sat back and thought about how big it's gotten, but it, it is huge. Mm-hmm. Most broadcasting resumes in Los Angeles have E on it at some point or another. It, it has started a lot of people. Wow, at any yeah. given time, E has a thousand people working there. Oh so my gosh, being that's 30 huge. years old. I mean, I, I started the network with literally 23 people. 
uh, or 25 people. We had 20 interns and, and six executives. And then it grew to 1,000 people by the time I left. And it's been at least 1,000 people for 30 years. Wow. So it's, it's a huge thing. I, I take pride in all the people's careers I've started mm-hmm. and all the young people that have learned at E, which is a yeah. great thing. Um, and it, it's huge. And, and, and I see people talking about it. And, uh, and, and I'm proud of it. It's, it's my baby that's grown up to be uh, big and famous. That's amazing. Now, you've done so many other things as well. I know you've worked with like, comic books and movies. Uh, tell me more about that. Those ventures. Um, when I got, I mean, I, I was, I'm always my creative uh, juices are always, mm-hmm. always flowing. Um, when I got out of E, I, I took almost a year off. I played a lot of golf. I thought about what to do next. Yeah. Um, it was a, it, it wasn't a great time for me because I did, I don't like doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's very healthy to take a step back. Yes. Be proactive. And go out and um, and think about your next venture, and then and then mm-hmm. go for it. Uh, I always yeah. tell people that that get fired or leave a job that it's not the end of the world because in life, um, you, a lot of times people's lives are all reactive. Yes, they, they work mm-hmm. and they're just reactive every day. You go in and you do your job, mm-hmm. but it's an opportunity to step back and do nothing. You know, it's like like through this whole COVID crisis, the whole world sort of took a pause and everybody yes. sat around and thought about what to do next. What mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I've been more, more, uh, I've accomplished more things in the last eight months than I have in, in the five years. That's what you're COVID. saying. That's crazy. So, yeah. uh, just, just to answer your question, um, after I took the year off, I, I decided I wanted to go in, in a creative direction. So I started producing movies, television mm-hmm. series, I did a show called my first show out of the gate was a show called Pacific Blue. Oh yeah, why did I know uh, that? It, yeah, it was it was about cops on bikes. Yeah, 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 yes. kind of yeah, I remember that. Yeah, lighthearted yeah, yeah. cop show, and um, it was the number one show on cable television. Wow. It was on USA Network. We did over a yeah, hundred episodes. It was on for five years. I did about a half a dozen movies, and and I I actually even was trying to start another network, which turned out to be FX, and I sold it to oh, Fox. Wow. I know um, you did that one too. Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. but but my FX was a little different. My FX was was a fitness and exercise television. Oh, that's the FX were. <laughs> okay, uh, gotcha. Fox ended up buying it because they wanted the name. They split yeah. into two networks. They did their gotcha. own network called Fit TV. Yeah, and they used FX to show their old movies yeah. initially. So I, uh, uh, that's how I've gotten in, in, into the you know uh, a creative direction sure. after E, and I've been doing that for a long time. That's amazing. Now you've transitioned into something else. So you have you're now in the storage business. Tell us more about that as well, because I thought it was really fascinating to see the transition, but it all is cohesive in, in your brand. Tell me more about that. Well, everyone's like, how did, how did you end up in the storage business? Um, I actually ended up in the storage business before I started E in a, oh, in really? a small way. When I got out of architecture school, I couldn't get a job as an architect. I, um, there was a little bit of a recession going on, uh-huh. and I decided to start renovating uh, small brownstones in Jersey City. Mm-hmm. So as any young developer does, they start with a two-unit, you know, two-family mm-hmm. brownstone. Then you go to a four-family, then a six-family, then a ten-family, and then I bought a fifty-thousand-square-foot building that I was going to make into like thirty residential yeah. units. At the same time, I was renovating my brownstones in Jersey City. I was trying to get E going, so I was literally going back and forth to Los Angeles. I was That's doing construction, oh going gosh. back to LA, going back to Jersey City. Uh, 
So it was, it was, a, it was a, a roundabout way I got to uh, Hollywood. But um, <laughs> when, I le- when I got that, that 50,000 square foot building, I left. I, that's around the same time that I raised only $2.5 million finally to, to get E going. I took the $2.5 million commitment. I dropped everything in New Jersey. I went to L.A., uh, and Larry and I got, got the network going. But that 50,000-square-foot building started to go into foreclosure. Oh, okay. I didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. I didn't have money to carry the building. Uh, two guys here in New York approached me and said, what about if we make this into a self-storage building? Uh-huh. I didn't really know much about self-storage. Sure. I was desperate. I'm like, I'm in. Put the building into the venture. They put their expertise. We put some money in. And um, it was the first self-storage building. And I was a silent partner in that company for like 15, 20 years. Wow. Until five years ago that I pivoted from Los Angeles. I said, you know what? I want to grow this business back in New York. Mm-hmm. We, we had a lot of buildings. We finally split up the company. Uh, I came back and I started this new brand of self-storage called Storage Blue. Mm-hmm. And it's mainly in New York and New Jersey. What's, what people don't realize when, when, when uh, they say, how'd you get in the storage business? You know, what do you think of the storage business? When I started in the storage business 30 years ago, it was a low, low tech business. Mm, if you okay. needed self-storage, you would look in the yellow pages. Most people don't even yeah. know what the yellow pages is. Today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, today, self-storage is a high tech e-commerce business. And that's what I love about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I always compare it to like if, if you get a pair of shoes from Amazon, when you get that pair of shoes in the mail, that's a low tech experience. Mm-hmm. And if you think about all the high tech digital that went yeah. into you getting that pair of shoes, uh, it's the same thing in the storage business today. Wow. If you, today, if you want self storage, you'll go to your computer, you'll type in, you know, Palm Beach self storage, mm-hmm. Los Angeles self storage. Whatever t- uh, pops up, you know, you have to have great search engine optimization yeah, or search yeah, yeah. engine marketing. You have to have a great user experience on the site and you have to capture the reservation. We then go pick up where, where the first company then goes and picks up your, your stuff and brings it oh. back for you. So it's, a, it's more of a pleasurable experience. I, yeah. I find myself in disrupting the industry. Yeah. Um, and then nobody likes moving. The, nobody likes moving things. <laughs> it's the worst it's customer the experience you could possibly yes. have. That's you have to ask a cousin, uh, you know, yes. a friend, drive the truck, and, oh, you know, load up the truck. <laughs> so we, we, you, you go literally online, you order it, you order your moving supplies. We come, we pick up everything, we put it into the storage unit. But the act of getting into that storage unit is the low tech result mm, of sense. all the high tech uh, yeah. stuff that went into it. Wow. And, and, the, and the beauty and the challenge that I love is the major players in the self-storage industry, like public storage, they, mm. they're worth $40 billion oh on the stock gosh. market. Oh, my gosh. So, I have no idea. But, but the beauty of it is the, is the internet makes it a level playing field. Sure. That's so whoever's point. better at marketing is going to win that, that battle and that war. Yeah. And I'm better than them at marketing. <laughs> yes, so, you are. <laughs> so I, so I, could, I, could, uh, I take storage and I just look at it like anything yeah. else I'm marketing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm creative. I do advertising. We, we just finished a music video. I saw that. Uh, I just had a video. So okay. we're out there and people are talking about Storage Blue and it's great. And yeah. I love it. That is awesome. Well, you know, I, my link together the you know e-entertainment television and other things you've worked on and then the storage you're taking one's emotion you're creating an emotional visceral experience for the viewer or for the customer 
So you're doing the same thing as far as you want a great customer experience, but yeah, you also want a great viewer experience when it comes to E. So there's that, that's, that linkage between what you do and how that manifests in every project you're in. It's really amazing. Right. And, and, and the, the, the fun part is I'm creating, I started a storage blue TV, YouTube channel oh, cool. and I'm programming on it. And the, and a lot of people don't realize that Google owns YouTube. Mm-hmm. Google likes when you have video yeah. for your search engine optimization. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm putting out the, vi- put videos out there. I did uh, a, a few songs that were releasing one at a time have gone That's viral. Great. We have, on, on my first uh, uh, music video and song, which is called Too Much Junk, <laughs> we've had over 3 million views oh my on gosh. Instagram in about 10 days. Oh, my so, gosh. Wow. Yeah. So That's amazing. Because the songs are great. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, they are good. Uh, I'm full speed in, into making the songs great, and it's fun. And it's just, it's all marketing. Marketing yeah. is everything in business. Yeah, it really No is. matter what you're selling, you know, yeah. whether it's a, a TV show or self-storage. Yes. And I'm branching out. Storage Blue will be a lifestyle brand. Just the same mm, way that, like that, that Virgin Records yeah. became an airlines, became sure. a, a mobile mobile phone, became everything. So it's just a, a brand that I've created. I started with self-storage, mm-hmm. uh, but we branch out into a lot of different things. That's exciting. I can't wait to see yeah. where this goes. You know, I, wow. I, I always say work gets a bad rap because if yeah. you love what you're doing, it's fun. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I, I totally understand that. Like for me real quickly, I, I changed my, my, I'm in the same field, but I went from private practice to, to doing this. And so I've, for me, I've merged all my talents together to create my brand as well. And I absolutely love it. I get to meet wonderful people like you, which has been a, a blessing, truly a big blessing it, for it, me. If, yeah, it's great. And, and if people ask me what I do, I tell them I'm a brand builder. I like that. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm a brand builder. So it doesn't really, I don't, I don't like to get pigeonholed into sure, what exactly. specifically yeah. what I'm building, what kind of brand, but I can do anything, you know? Yeah. Um, the, 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 the funny and fun part of Storage Blue is I have storage in the name, but if I didn't have storage in the name, it'd be more, more um, palatable to understand that yeah. it's building a brand. But, yeah. but then again, you know, it's, it's, it's a little wacky and it's fun and people remember people it. People remember it, exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, Alan Murphy, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. If my listeners want to find out more information about you, to learn more about Storage Blue and everything else you're doing, where would they find this information online? Uh, well, you can go to storageblue.com and see Storage Blue, or you can go to the allencompany.com, which is uh, A-L-A-N, which is my uh, site that encompasses everything, or visit us uh, uh, on YouTube or on Instagram at Storage Blue TV. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on my show. So I truly appreciate all your time. That's been great. Thanks so much. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.